It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Signal Boost. I'm Zerlina Maxwell. It is Tuesday, October the 26th. It's not our favorite day of the week, but we're going to do it. We're going to do it with a positive attitude. Yep. Yep. Uh, This Tuesday, we're going into it with a positive attitude. I've got sort of a different Tuesday, which is nice. That helps. Uh, I'm I'm in D.C. And uh, I'm going to be emceeing a rally on the steps of the Supreme Court today because that is the one year. It's different. I've never done that before. That's pretty exciting. (laughs) But uh, it's the one year anniversary of Amy Coney Barrett being seated. Oh, yeah. That was and uh, <laughs> a moment. And, and and now the Supreme Court is a, a, about to to convene uh, just next week. They're going to hear a challenge from the NRA. We all know what happens on December 1st. That's when mm-hmm. they will hear uh, the, the Mississippi case that might overturn Roe. Um, they will handle climate. <laughs> they will handle voting. <laughs> they will handle literally everything that matters to us. And uh, and so take back the court we've had on the show before. And their you know they, their solution is to expand the court to do what we have done several times in the past and add justices because right now we have a nakedly partisan stolen Supreme Court that doesn't reflect the uh, the values of the people that it is supposed to serve. This is one way of solving the problem uh, that doesn't require very much other than congressional approval. So it's about passing the Judiciary Act. It's about expanding the court. It's about um, getting people to understand that it doesn't matter what kind of a voter you are. You know, are you a climate voter? Are you an education voter? Are you a healthcare voter? Regardless, you are a court voter <laughs> because right. none of it matters without the court. So so I'm 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 focused on that this Tuesday and not the fact that it's Tuesday. You know, <laughs> I'm that, doing my best. You know. <laughs> We're all we're all doing our best. That's like yeah. the funny the funny TikTok that um, everybody's doing the past couple of weeks. It's like I'm doing my best, Tom, or like whatever the the <laughs> voiceover is. I'm doing my best. Um, I feel strongly about that. I mean, I think that when it comes to the court, it's like the it's like the court and then voting rights. It's like you know, yeah, they're the it, same. It's fine. It, it, it oh yes, they are very much the same thing. <laughs> um, and and also. It, it it sort of belies the importance being put on infrastructure and the different pieces of the infrastructure package day in and day yeah, out. Kind of does big week it? for the Biden agenda. This is the Biden agenda. Joe Manchin, they're gonna like you know give him a f- like spa facial and tell does him Joe Manchin have a pillow? Twenty five minutes straight. I know. Does he it's, need anything? Can we get him anything so, this morning? But it's like. I like how everybody's thinking about what Joe Manchin needs, but he's not necessarily thinking about what his constituency, not even his own constituents. So that's that's a very frustrating thing. But I think his constituents need more than just about anyone else's. Like, can we talk about that? Can we talk about like maybe the leadership in West Virginia has, I don't know, repeatedly failed the people of West Virginia? Well, it's not just West Virginia. There's a few other places you can put on that list. Um, But, But I would say I would say yes. That is absolutely true. And that well, they've done also um, the reporting to go through what is in the framework so far. And they've looked at the problems in West Virginia and they've paired up some of these policies. And they're like, oh, it turns out 
the policies in this Build Back Better plan would really help the people in West Virginia. It's just that specifically, but they would just hurt fossil fuel companies and rich donors. And so that's why Joe Manchin is giving us a hard time. It's not because his constituents would be harmed in any way. And especially when we do the conversation that Hillary Clinton should have ended in 2016 when she was completely honest and got destroyed for it, which is that you got to move on from the coal. (laughs) Like, We don't have to, well, he's making this calculation because of the coal industry. No, he's making this calculation because fossil fuel companies are big donors, not because Mm -hmm. of the workers in the coal mine. That is not who he's doing it for. He's not doing it for the workers because there's not even that many of those jobs. In fact, you know how many more domestic workers there are than coal miners? Right, right. But also... Like 11 times. But also... You're thinking, um, you know, everybody's been talking a lot about the jobs that would be created. We just talked to somebody about the Build Back Better plan, about the climate jobs that would be created. So when you're thinking about the jobs that are lost to, you know, an industry that is hurting the environment, that we need to Mm -hmm. change, that we need to evolve, that we need to improve. And then you say, oh, we're going to create jobs in this way that also helps us save the planet. I feel like that's a positive message. Just say that. I mean, Democrats people usually go for it like it is popular. And I would like to point out that while Hillary Clinton got eviscerated for saying the honest truth when she was in West Virginia, uh, Joe Biden had exactly the same, exactly the same plan when it mm-hmm. came to coal as Hillary Clinton did. And uh, he did not face the same sort of headwinds of criticism that she did. It just I'm just going to leave that there. We don't really have to comment on it. It's just uh, we don't we don't have to point I, out that the girl I know who, why said the thing about coal was destroyed and the boy that said the thing about coal wasn't do we yeah. have to make that point is it too early for us we to do just anymore skip over the point because it's so obvious to people who have tuned into signal boost at 7 a.m the point we are making <laughs> about morning, the different everybody. treatment between a boy candidate and a girl candidate for president <laughs> yep, yep. And in West Virginia, West Virginia remains the only state that I have worked in where they just straight up said, oh, we we like her. We just don't want a woman as governor. Like, mm-hmm. usually you have to read between the lines and, and you'll see that a woman gets high marks on, you know, competence and leadership and all of that. And there's no reason for them not to check the box about why they want her to be governor or not. They just don't. West Virginia is just straight up. <laughs> no, nope, no, nope, we just uh, we just uh, don't think a woman should be governor. I mean, she's great. We love her. We think she's excellent. She's, uh, she's perfectly qualified. We just yeah, we just don't like it. <laughs> so so with the I have worked in a lot of states. <laughs> that one stands out. Well, this the sound you just made is so we we should unpack the sound you just made there, <laughs> you know, because that there's a lot sort of caught up in the in That's the true. discomfort that people feel with women in power. And we no, don't talk right. about the reason why people don't like her. Like, ah, I just don't like her. You know, I don't like her. Yeah, she upsets yeah, me. She makes, makes me so uncomfortable. Yeah, uncomfortable. I shift in yeah. my seat when I think about her. I'm very yeah. frustrated and I find myself feeling angry. Um, there's there's a lot there. That doesn't have to do with it. That doesn't have any. It's not because of Hillary Clinton that you feel that way. Let me just right. be clear. Hillary Clinton has done nothing to you. Nothing. Zero things. She wasn't the president of any country. She didn't do anything to you. 
No. And if you were a constituent when she was a senator, then she was very helpful to you. Oh, yeah. So so, insanely high marks from her constituents, right and left. One of the best things to ever do, if you ever just want to watch somebody flex, is to go back and watch Hillary Clinton in a Senate hearing. Mm. It's like a work of art. I'm, mm-hmm. And I'm not even just saying that as somebody who worked on her campaign, because this is a this is an opinion that I had pre pre campaign, right. like way pre. Oh, yeah. I mean, w- one of the Senate reasons why back. we went to her campaign was because <laughs> of stuff like this. <laughs> uh, right. Like, I mean, she sent there were no notes, no notes. OK. Yeah. She's just studied up. She's like flex. It's a flex. And mm-hmm. that is the kind of thing that, you know endeared her to her constituents in New York, particularly post 9-11, when many of them were first line um, first responders and frontline workers who were impacted by the health outcomes, negative health outcomes as a result of working down at 9-11 ground zero after the attack. Mm -hmm. She stayed like she was one of the people up in there making sure those people got compensated. Oh, yeah. So the idea that, you know, you feel discomfort. That's not because of Hillary Clinton. That no. is because of patriarchy. You feel mm-hmm. uncomfortable because a woman is trying to be in charge of a thing. And that makes you feel eh, like that. You make yeah. a sound. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's about it. So, you know, I, I, I do. I do understand that West Virginia poses some some special challenges. But uh, I, I also know that West Virginians are capable of understanding what their lives are like and what they could be like. Like I. There are Democrats in West Virginia. There are independents in West Virginia, tons of independents in West Virginia. And you know what West Virginia really has? People who are apolitical, people who don't vote at all. You know why those people don't vote? They don't think that politicians do anything for them. Mm -hmm. They think that both parties are the same. They've never seen their own personal circumstances improve because of anything the government has done. And so they check out of the system quite rationally, frankly. But you think maybe it's because... They have people like Joe Manchin who won't ever put their needs first. Like you want to start getting Democrats to win in West Virginia. You have to do what happened in Arizona and Georgia, which is expand the fuck out of the electorate. Mm -hmm. And you do that by going into Appalachia and talking to people who have never had a politician show up at their house, asking them what they need and then fighting like hell to get it. Is Joe Manchin doing any of that? I don't think so. I don't think so. He's he's, he's he's getting people to place vote stories and mother jones um i mean i think what's really important to think about is the fact that he's you know it's funny you said they they may see both parties as being the same Mm -hmm. right because joe manchin is acting like he keeps talking about the 52 senators that oppose this thing or that aren't sure about this thing. He's talking about himself, Kirsten Cinema, and every single Republican. You tell me how how a voter in West Virginia is supposed to be like, no, come on. Democrats are completely different than Republicans. I mean, I can is make he that acting any different. I, <laughs> he's not acting any different. I mean, he's not like pro-insurrection. I mean, like, we're in a sort of well, yes, looking class moment. So he is acting very it, different from today's Republicans. But today's when it comes to post-insurrection Republican. Right. The big lie Republicans. Yeah, we need like a so, new moniker for them. Like, <laughs> no, I've been I've been thinking a lot about that because the so what's completely insane to me, actually, mm-hmm. more than anything else, is the fact that everything we always think is happening behind the scenes is always happening, happening. behind the scenes because yeah. and and it always corresponds with like stuff that's happening in front of our eyes that looks like crimey 
we're like that looks like a coup happening yeah that yeah. seems coolish you know it seems like there was some planning didn't seem to happen randomly and then rolling stone is like yeah we talked to people who were like at a hotel in a war room and then there yeah, was we- katrina pearson acting as an intermediary now as this goes on, we're gonna just going to find out all the things because every day there's some new meeting, new email, new <laughs> new revelation, um, new phone call Trump made. So basically from the moment of the election up and through the insurrection and up to today, he has actively tried to overturn the election that we all voted in for Joe Biden. Yes. Yeah, so I, that, I mean, our show me, was so packed yesterday that we didn't really get in to the Rolling Stone piece that popped over the weekend. Right. So if folks haven't seen it yet, this goes directly to what you were just saying about. Well, I thought we there would be some more reporting and then we could sort of bolster it this morning a little yeah. bit just because, you know. So we can't just rely only on Rolling Stone anymore, given the one article where one rape survivor had inconsistencies in her story. And now, of course, that means Rolling, Rolling Stone, Stone can't be trusted. It ever also again. means, you know, rape survivors. No can't woman. Be trusted. Can't like be we trusted. still talk about the Duke lacrosse team. Like that was 20 freaking years ago. Sorry. OK, this is tangent. Point is mm-hmm. <laughs> the reporting has now been corroborated. But what Rolling Stone uncovered was something that we all knew and have been talking about actually ad nauseum on this show, which was the direct involvement of the members of Congress in the planning of the insurrection. And it is exactly the people that and you the White expected. House. Uh, and the White House. Yes. Um, so it's Paul Gozar. It's um, it was it was Mark Meadows. It was Marjorie Taylor Greene. It was Lauren Boebert, Mo Brooks, Andy Biggs. I'm sure I'm missing one or two in there, but it is it is the 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 cast of characters that we have been very curious and very concerned about since day one. Um, here they are being thrown under the bus by organizers of the rally, by Proud Boys and Oath Keepers, and people who are now facing criminal charges. Uh, who are saying that they were actively involved in the planning of it. So I very much hope that this turns into an accountability moment for those people because they should not be in our government. They shouldn't be in that building. There should they, like their colleagues should have a restraining order against them. Forget the idea that they're voting on our well-being. They're voting on our national security. I mean, not Marjorie Taylor Greene. She's not allowed to do anything, but... <laughs> The others are. <laughs> uh, forget that. They shouldn't be anywhere near Ayanna Presley. They shouldn't be anywhere near Nancy Pelosi. They shouldn't be allowed within, you know, 3000 feet or whatever a restraining order says of any Democratic lawmaker or Mitt Romney. Like they, they helped try to assassinate those people. Right. Seemingly knowing what they were doing the entire time. And they're still in the building. No, they should. uh they should not be. I don't think if it was any other job, it would be a question. Obviously. They would have taken those security badges away quick. Um, um, congressional pins, whatever version of that. Yep. I think they do have both. Um, but the other thing, too, I think, is you, you're seeing more conversation amongst other members of Congress. Like, right after the insurrection... When it was clear that certain people were pro-insurrection, objectively, there were people who called for expulsion. There mm-hmm. were people who introduced um, bills and or you know votes in Congress to expel certain members. Um, yes. 
then that conversation died down. But when this reporting came out, you know, AOC was like, these people can't be here with me. <laughs> like, Mm-mm. that's paraphrasing. Um, <laughs> so to your She's- point, <laughs> I'm paraphrasing AOC. Yes, but to no, your point, she- it's she- like, you should not have to get up and go to work every day with people who tried to kill you no in january no literally no job in the i mean imagine like law enforcement having to go to work with a rogue police officer that occasionally like left bombs and weapons around for people to hurt themselves like like imagine any other circumstance you know a a, a teacher decides to shoot up a school and then tries to go back to work like just because they didn't hit anybody, they they get to go back in the classroom. Like there there is no circumstance under which attempting to murder your colleagues is acceptable behavior that allows you to keep your job. I mean, Marjorie Taylor Greene might be. I don't know how rich this woman is. Um, I genuinely don't. I have no idea what her economic class and background is. However, I do know that she's out five grand now for refusing to wear face masks. Apparently it's a $2,500 fine after the first infraction. And she's now on her third infraction. I think she has, you know, she's definitely not us, right? She's, she's got more money than we do. Um, So so it's, so it's, you know, it's not nothing, but it's not, she's going to eat this month. You know what I mean? She's also going to keep doing it, though. Like, how much money does she have that she? That's what I'm saying. Is like at a certain point, though, you run out. You know what I mean? Like, she's the kind where it can run out. I'm I'm not. She's not like a you know multi millionaire, right? I think she was a business owner, so she you know she probably has a a gym. You know what I mean? Yeah, like you know, small business owner, so she has like a you know house probably and some investments. She's like a well off person, but and her district, I believe, is like suburban. But you have to be pretty well off to, like, you know, be able to handle 20 grand a year in random fines. You know, <laughs> like, and that's what I don't think that she's, she's planned. Yeah, but I don't think that she's planned out that you think she's done the math. You're doing the math. You're, you're no, I don't think way too comprehensively. Yeah, I don't think she's <laughs> you're, planning you're, it out. She's not thinking. Of, she's not thinking about that. And not to mention the fact that her and Lauren both. Well, Lauren's already been sort of accused of not being all right with the money, the campaign money. Yes, so. That's true. You know, she's on tour with Matt Gates. She's fundraising. Who's to say she doesn't understand that money cannot go towards the mask fines? Oh, that's true. You're right. Probably every time she gets fined, she raises triple that. Exactly. Yeah, that's what's happening. Okay. Well, cool. Glad we solved that. <laughs> mm-hmm. If now we can, we can just solve the fact that they are still in their congressional offices. I mean... I, I'm sure people feel icky about going after colleagues, but um, they started it. <laughs> this is a very, <laughs> they went after you first and they did it with an armed mob. Right, Have you like, seen the documentary? Have you seen the four hours at the Capitol? No, yet? I, I haven't watched that yet because, you know, I was trying to watch happy things for the most I know, part it's tough. over the weekend. I, Chris watched um, it and I walked in and out of the room while he was watching it. And that was the only way that like I could take it in. Yeah, but um, I get that. It's truly amazing. Like, no, 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 really, I believe really well I, I, I and I consume most of the content documentaries, New York Times, those kinds of things up to this point. Right. But yeah. I, that one I was like the other over the weekend, I was like, ah, click by that. <laughs> I'm like, cannot yeah. do that on this long weekend that is supposed to meet me relaxing and trying totally to understandable rest. Um, 
But I but I think Chris sat down and was like, I'm having a crappy day. I'm going to watch this now because I'm already no, in a shitty mood. And I was like, what a good idea. No. Oh, I would get out of the way, you know, like, um, like if you like you, you use your shitty moods to watch things that, you know, you should watch, but they're going to make you upset. And I'm like, that's actually a really that's a solid way of programming yourself. It's not bad. It's not bad. I mean, just get it all out and then maybe go yeah. like, you know, do a like you know, a couple sprints or something. Why, why don't ruin a cheerful day, you know, like comfort is at a premium. Cheerful days are at a premium. Good moods are at a premium. Don't ruin those. But if you're sitting there stewing in your own anger, you know, like uh, add a little education to it. Why not? I can see the logic there. Totally works out. Yeah. The thing that I don't like is when people bring in bad shit into a perfectly sunny new day. Like if no. something happened yesterday that was like a little annoying, but like no one died and everyone should move on, you should move on. <laughs> yes. That is my new rule for the pandemic. Yes. Do not, <laughs> do not come to me after some shit happened when no one died and be yeah. like, oh, this, that, this happened. Yeah, we're done I, with you're like telling friend, me, no, friend drama, right? <laughs> no, no, none of that. Yeah. Yeah, I think our bar for um, our bar for crisis is higher. I mm-hmm. used to say this about working on campaigns that it was no, no, like, no, it, didn't, it doesn't it doesn't, it doesn't matter what, what you choose to, to do. Yeah, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what you choose to do with your life. Like once you've worked on a campaign, your bar for crisis, your bar for stress is going to be lower than the average human beings because you've simply dealt with more of it. Like in most jobs, if you screw up, nobody writes about it. Nobody mm-hmm. loses their health care. <laughs> Nobody's stuck with a governor that's going to try to make sure they get COVID in schools like it, the, the stakes are just not as high in most even in, you know, even in even as a government staffer, the stakes are not quite as high as a campaign staffer. So your your stress levels just it's just higher. Like you, you're not going to stress about planning a wedding, right? Nobody, nobody dies one, if the wedding goes wrong. <laughs> I have one reference point for like, is it as bad as that? Stop yeah. fine. So I have one. Do you want to know what it is? I do very much. It's Nancy Reagan. <laughs> you know yeah. exactly what I'm talking about. I know exactly okay. what you're talking about. That's what it is. It's an inside joke from the campaign. Um, yeah, but that is that's the that's the bar for me. Yeah, um, yeah I, have, I have I have several and um, and they all suck, but they all sucked way no, worse no, they, than anything that could happen in my, in my real life. And, yes. and I mean, even in that instance, no one died no technically one died. In, in the immediate future. Although now, right. as we sit here in the pandemic with 500,000 people dead, I honestly do feel like maybe I wasn't stressed out enough because I yeah. definitely remember, you know, all of those thought experiments we would try to do to try to communicate how bad it could be under a Donald Trump and no one, zero people. No, no. we're like global pandemic and half a million people are going to die in a year. And then after that year that you've all been locked down, there's going to be a violent insurrection to overthrow the new president that America voted for because the other one allowed 500,000 of us to die and told us to inject bleach. And we didn't want that. We didn't want four more years of that. But then the people that like him so much that just happen to be white nationalists showing up with Confederate flags and white nationalist paraphernalia, they are violently storming the Capitol. Some of them organized with guns and weapons and bricks and rocks and gallows. Um, In a year's time, 500,000 people would be dead and there would be a violent insurrection on the Capitol. So maybe like the hypotheticals that we were doing, um, they weren't bad enough. They were not bad enough. 
They were not yeah. dystopian enough. In high, and at the time, it felt cartoonish. We were like, "This is gonna, there's gonna be deportation forces." Right. Right. Yeah. That was like our worst case scenario. Nuclear war wasn't really it for me personally. Yes, that was it. That was for me. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think it ever made it on like a whiteboard. But my my but point I, about the stress level is that sort of everybody has been a campaign staffer now. Like everybody's oh, yeah, yeah. stress level for is sure. raised. I mean, not everybody's bar for what is stressful is higher than it was in 2019. Like, it's just we we have been dealing with so much life or death shit for so long on a personal level and on a global level that, like, I got to imagine. I mean, a couple of weddings that I've seen, like they're they're way more low key. Like, I just got to imagine that we don't get so we weed up to use an Obama phrase uh, about stuff that doesn't doesn't have you know consequences for generations into the future so maybe we can all enjoy that a little bit that like we we know what really matters and that means the other stuff doesn't have to as much that's my hope we'll be back tomorrow with another signal boost podcast thanks for listening 